This is the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast from Advanta IRA, where we show you how to explore investments beyond Wall Street and open your eyes to new options for your portfolio. It's time to take control and give yourself the freedom to choose where you invest your money. Thanks for tuning in today to the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Alex Perney. Today on the Market Recap, we'll discuss a few interesting items that are facing us in our markets today. First up, Democratic lawmakers are calling for a corporate tax rate increase, which is kind of interesting. Not a huge increase by any means, but certainly something to be aware of, especially when looking at other factors such as the price of goods and the consumer price index. The rate increase proposed is going to go from the current rate of 21% to 26.5%. So not a, a, a substantial one, but definitely enough of one to, to be aware of. Uh, they're also proposing a couple other taxes, a 3% surtax on the nation's top earners, and an increase to the capital gains tax. Now, the capital gains tax, especially for our listeners that are maybe are interested in using IRAs for more of their investments, is definitely one to keep keep an eye on. Because if the increase to capital gains uh, goes up, some of the investments that may have been a better idea to do outside of a tax shelter, now we're looking significantly more attractive to do within a tax shelter. As most of you know, and if some of you don't, IRAs are a great way to shield yourself from having to pay capital gains tax. Now, whether or not you're using a Roth or traditional or any other type of IRA, you don't have to pay a capital gains on the sale of any type of asset within an IRA. So whether that is a sale of a security, such as Microsoft, IBM, Tesla, if you make money on that, you don't have to pay any type of capital gains now or ever on it. Sometimes you might just have to pay a little bit of marginal tax uh, when you take a distribution at your ordinary income rates, which can certainly be uh, something to utilize losses and and deductions to help uh, mitigate and offset when you're in retirement. Uh, But doing these kinds of things uh, within IRAs is now going to be ever more beneficial to you as the IR, to, uh, to you as the investor. So keep in mind that if these things do come to fruition and increase in any of these types of taxes, looking to utilize government sponsored plans such as IRAs and other uh, accepted tax shelters will be much more attractive. So I'd encourage you to uh, do some more research into that and maybe start doing some more of your investing through these types of platforms. Markets are continuing to climb on all major indexes uh, with specific interest around crude oil prices. Now, crude oil has been something that has been hugely decimated throughout the entirety of the pandemic with uh, international uh, domestic travel and pretty much all forms of transportation taking a huge hit with with COVID-19. Now we have a rebound and we're seeing for the first time this month a increase to pre-pandemic levels. So the price for uh, sweet Texas crude has risen to before pandemic levels, which would have been February of 2020. So this is great news for the energy and transportation sectors. Hopefully we can continue to see a rise in those industries as so many of them have been so hard, have been so hard hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. Couple of interesting movers right now on the market. Apple held its annual fall event yesterday, and it will remain to be seen if this can prop up the company's earnings to continue a stock price increase as they have been over the past few 
quarters. Now, the release of several new products and a new operating system has been expected. The operating system for iOS 15 having several scandals, or I should say scandals, several newsworthy points to point out, namely with the recognition of um, image filtering for use on iCloud. So we will see how the implementation of this will come to fruition for Apple and if it will continue to help prop up their stock through the end of the year, which these events typically have had the effect of at least being, if not an increased stock price, uh, relatively neutral, but typically not a detriment to it in any in any case. Inflation is still a looming threat right now with the consumer price index continuing to rise. So the ability of the dollar to purchase a certain amount of goods compared year over year, that is continuing to go in a non-favorable direction for consumers. However, interest rates are continually, are continuing to be low, the Fed has raised in a little bit, but we are looking to expect to see these increase steadily over the next several months. However, this has had the effect of helping to offset some of the other inflationary factors for that. With that said, that's the market recap. Today on the what is, SEP IRAs. These hugely useful plans for small businesses and really any size business that want to utilize the ability to defer one's compensation as the basis for an employer-sponsored plan are fantastic ways for businesses to have cost-effective retirement plans for their employees. Now, on face value, a SEP IRA is a supercharged traditional IRA. You get the benefits of all the tax deductions going in and then getting to defer your taxation down the road with the added benefit of a SEP component being able to defer up to 25% of your compensation, not to exceed $58,000 per year. With these plans, unlike a 401k, you have a much lower cost basis to the employer to administer these plans. There's no costly plan testing or outside auditing that has to be done, such as with a 401k. The employer does not also maintain any fiduciary liability as with a 401k and being a trustee of those plans. So the amount of liability that a employer has for maintaining these plans is significantly less as well. Now, especially for those of you that may be self-employed, a SEP IRA is a fantastic way to help you shelter some of your compensation into a plan that will allow you to create very large tax deductions, especially for those that maybe earn a lot of commissions, such as realtors or other sales individuals that are maybe independent contractors. The SEP IRA is a great way to help reduce your taxable burden by being able to defer a portion of your compensation into this plan and thereby creating a significantly larger deduction than you would from otherwise just being able to contribute your six or $7,000 per year to a regular traditional or Roth IRA. However, one of the downsides of the SEP IRA is that these plans are only deductible contributions, meaning that if you wanted to have these be after-tax contributions, a Roth IRA, unfortunately, there is no Roth SEP IRA. 
you are able to convert your contributions into a Roth IRA. But if you are utilizing a SEP, all of the contributions to these plans have to be made on a pre-tax basis. Thank you everyone for joining us for a new edition of the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast with Advanta IRA. Our wonderful guest on today is Peter Fortunato. Thank you very much for being with us today, Pete. I'm looking forward to it, Alex. <laughs> Fantastic. So I, before I kind of get in and start the bio, I like to, I like to get, get people hooked in. Um, and, and the question I have for you is, if, off the top of your head, quick thought, what is the most interesting way you've ever found a deal? I know you've had many years of experience of, of investing, but what, what one boils right to the top when the most interesting way that you found a deal? I've asked people for help and they've helped me. I, I've asked them, said, I'm looking for a house in this neighborhood. Would you please call or have your neighbor call when there's an opportunity in the neighborhood? And people call me. If you don't ask, you don't get it. You got to get out in that neighborhood and ask and recruit allies every minute. And it's worked for me wonderfully for 56 years. That's great. And uh, along that same line, uh, one of my favorite stories that I've heard from you is uh, it involved a, a lady uh, standing in her front yard kicking a realtor sign uh, with her foot. Maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about that story. I think that was involving one of your kids, but I, I love hearing that story and I know people, people would as well. Yeah, well, many of the deals we do are repeat referral business with people I've done business with over a very long period of time. <clears throat> and uh, my son, Jay, made a great lease option deal with someone who I did not know. And so I said, you know, how did you find that? And he said, well, dad, you say, look for uncomfortable circumstances. And I saw a woman kicking a realtor sign. So I stopped and said, what's going on? And he made a great lease option deal with that lady, helped her out and helped himself. Yeah, that's, that's one of those things where uh, even when I get asked about my professional career, what's some of the more interesting things you've heard, that one that one shoots right to the top of, of interesting ways that someone has found a deal in real estate. You know, it's not all just, uh, you know, get on the MLS and, and type a search criteria and get your, your realtor's license. Which, which is I have a lady say, if you'll just find a place where my sister can live so she no longer lives with me, any deal you need to make will work for me. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so, uh, you know, I like to start out with that kind of a, a good way to get people, uh, you know, interested in what we're talking about. But tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you started your career uh, up north in Massachusetts uh, quite a few years ago and have kind of uh, worked your way down the East Coast. And now you live down here in sunny Florida where uh, the deals are just as plentiful, but the weather is slightly bit better. So tell us a little bit about uh, what are the origins of uh, Pete Fortunato, the investor, and uh, what kind of has brought you to this point in your life? Well, before I was a real estate uh, person, both investor and business person, when I got started, I was in high school. And in uh, June of 1965, I graduated from high school and went out in pursuit of some assets so I'd be free to do whatever I wanted. Uh, when I was a very, very, very young person, I read American history. And I was involved with wonderful neighbors all around me. And so reading American history, I learned this is a land of opportunity. I, my favorite reading was about the American Revolution, about the people who went and had a tea party and threw the tea in the bay just so that their neighbors wouldn't be stuck with the tax and the onerous control of a government overseas. Uh, then I, I read 
over and over again and have many copies here in my house of the Declaration of Independence. And those things, the Bill of Rights have been very, very important. And I knew that was part of the land of opportunity where I grew up. Then I looked at my neighbors and they all came from all around the world. They came, their grandparents came, their forefathers came, and they came to, to the United States and to my neighborhood on the North Shore of Boston to make a better life. And they did make a better life. I saw it every day in the parents and the wonderful, wonderful families from all backgrounds. And so in seeing those opportunities and in reading that history, I aspired to do the same. And so when I got out of high school, my job was to get some assets because it's the assets that could provide me with the income, which would let me be free to do whatever I damn well pleased. And that was my goal. Now, my goal was to go to a ball game or to sit and read or to interfere in the lives of my neighbors. Uh, other people have different goals, but all Americans aspired to build a better life and a better future for their families and their loved ones. And that's, that's the way I grew up. Now, I was blessed to have great examples, not only in my neighborhood, but in my family. You know, my grandfather came from Italy a uh, hundred plus years ago now. And uh, when he would tell me when I was a little kid of 10 that he arrived uh, with 50 cents in his pocket and I would look horrified and he would explain to me, well, you know, I could buy a loaf of bread for a penny. So while it was not a lot of money, it was more than it sounds to you. And it gave me a chance to survive until I could get a job and create some money and the job enabled me to create some money, which I invested in my own business. And then my own business enabled me to buy an apartment building with a barbershop on the first floor. And then that barbershop and the rents gave me a home in which to raise my family and gave me an income. Well, those kinds of examples led me to dream, the dream of being able to do the same thing and get enough assets to set me free. So when I got out of school, I had that dream. The dream turned into a goal. The goal turned into plans, which were followed by actions. And I took off on that journey from a dreamer to someone with enough assets so that they're free to do whatever they want. And the assets are producing the income to fund the lifestyle. Great. And uh, those, those assets, I mean, obviously, from the nature of what most people know you for is, is real estate related, but you really haven't tethered yourself to that, you know, by, by any means, have you? I think I've heard some stories about, uh, you know, you trading, uh, you know, different things at meetings. Uh, I mean, it, you know, a lawnmower can be an asset to provide you with the income you need to do something just as well as a piece of real estate can. Um, you know, is, is there some different types that you've gravitated towards over the years? And obviously the example with your grandfather is a great way to, to kind of show you the value of being able to have real estate, for, you know, part for your business and part to raise your family in. But, uh, you know, what kind of other branches have you gone into? Well, when I, when I was in college, I was buying small multifamily. Then uh, when I got through college, Jean and I got married and I wanted to spend more time with her and then with my family. And so we went from multifamily, which took more of my time to single family, which allowed us the freedom. That was my investing. And my investments are primarily, are entirely really now single family houses. Uh, the currencies I used 
were all kinds of things. Look, I don't see the currencies as an investment, but any skill I have, any asset I have, any goods and services I can provide are a currency that I can use. You know, one of the, the stories that people enjoy is I was at a RIA meeting and a man got up and said, uh, gee, I'm gonna sell a house. And of course, I always ask the question, why, why would you sell a nice house like that? And he said his daughter needed a better car and his daughter was a single mom with three kids and her car had broken down three times in the last month and he and his wife were worried about her every minute. So they made the mistake of thinking they had to sell their house, give up a perfectly good rental house to get the money, to get a car. And that step through money is a dangerous, expensive step. And so I gave him my van for an option on his property to buy it from him in the future so he could keep the property, keep the rent and have a car for his, uh, his daughter. And everybody remembers the story because I had to hitch a ride home with one of my friends because I gave him the car right then and there. Uh, that was not an investment. That was a currency that I was able to use which somebody else valued differently than I valued it. That's a, that's a really interesting point of, of values and currencies. Uh, going into into something like that, that's 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 a really interesting way of thinking about it. So, you know, coming in from you know doing multifamily to single family, um, you know, were, was there a was there any type of shift that you really saw when you moved from the Northeast down to Florida? Uh, you know, I, I can't remember exactly when you you moved down here, but you know, markets are different across many different aspects. But are there any kind of uh, specific invest specific changes that you saw when you moved down south? Um, no, not really. Just I had great, I had great friends and allies in both markets. So I was coming back and forth doing business here in Florida and investing in Florida before I moved here. But the single family houses uh, in, in good neighborhoods entice tenants that want privacy. And the multifamily entice tenants who wanted services. And when I was in college, I didn't mind providing the services in order to have more income. But once uh, we were married and we had our family, I was jealous of that time. And so I, I'm good at providing privacy. I'm not very good at providing services. So I went to single family houses alone. Sure, so uh, it sounds like uh, your, your core kind of uh, focus in, in you know, going from multifamily to single family was a difference in lifestyle that it afforded you. Uh, is that kind Absolutely. of something is, is there, if there were one thing that you could tell someone that was trying to get that same kind of shift in their, in their lives, you know, what would it be? Because I think a lot of people think that way. They're like, hey, you know, I have, I'm doing this, you know, I want to make the transition into this. Is it just kind of taking the first step? Is it attending a meeting? Is it listening to a podcast? You know, if someone were going to try to, you know, do that today of what you did so many years ago, um, obviously technology and the way people interacted has changed. But if someone's just listening to this and they say, you know what, that's great you know, what would be kind of a good place to start? And even if it's just reading a book, you know, if it's something you've read recently, you think would be good or a meeting you think is good, you know, I'll let you go. I, I would look to improving the quality of my investments earlier rather than later. And by quality, I mean, I would rather have a 5% cap rate that involved money only in earning the 5% than a 15% cap rate that involved uh, money and arm wrestling or weapons to developing the yield. And sure. so moving quickly to higher quality is, is, a, 
an adjustment that I would make. And that said, I have stayed invested even when I was in college in really outstanding neighborhoods. And those neighborhoods have been huge in terms of making the success because I didn't burn out. And some people do burn out because they make the mistake getting way too aggressive. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, and I've, yeah, go ahead. I, I would urge you to do, you know, one step at a time, digest something and, and see where you are before you jump in. Good point. Now, you know, good neighborhood means something different uh, different to everyone. Uh, you know, it's it's not necessarily the neighborhood that has, you know, the big gate in front of it that uh, keeps everyone out and, and has people that really live there. When when it comes to things that have afforded you the ability to kind of transition your life and live the life you want and, and by extension your kids, I mean, one of your one of your children bought and flipped a house four blocks up from me. Uh, thing looks great. I'm very happy with the fact that property sold in my neighborhood and the prices of homes in my neighborhood are going up. So, uh, you know, I, I've gotten to experience part of the Fortunato, um, you know, investment strategy, uh, you know, myself. But when it comes to finding a good neighborhood, when you say good neighborhood, you know, that mean, means a lot of things to a lot of people. What's it mean to you? All right, well, first of all, having any of my children flip anything is not something I approve of. I want to acquire that nice house in your neighborhood and keep it. <laughs> but um, a good neighborhood for me is certainly different than it is to anybody else, but a good neighborhood is near where you live. So you recognize that the good and bad things that are going on within the neighborhood. From my perspective, I look for anchors to lock in long-term tenants because I want my tenants to be part of a grander family that the community is a part of. So I look for big, active churches. I want to buy around them. I look for really good private schools. I want to buy around them. I look for a Bay Pines Veterans Hospital here near where I live, uh, that Bay Pines community of, of vets that, that use that to sustain them and to back them up, uh, creates a, a tight neighborhood. Uh, there are community centers, but somewhere, whether it be at the community center, the church, the hospital, I want to see that anchor. And I look for that very much when I'm buying an investment property to keep in rent. And as a result of that, and the fact that I really do not bother my tenants, I've had very long-term tenants who I talk to rarely unless there's a problem. And those tenants, when they leave, generally leave with a group of their neighbors soliciting me for rentals in that house. Sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes great sense. It's, it's, it's always interesting to, to look at these strategies and you see so many different things, but it's, it's some of the simplest stuff that just having someone, you know, kind of enumerate it and say it, that really makes a whole lot of sense. You know, you could say, you know, a great area. Well, a lot of people would probably get on there and, and look at crime statistics. They would look at, you know, the school districts, uh, but it's more kind of a, a, a combination approach to that. Yeah, you don't want somewhere necessarily that's an extremely high crime, but look at the other things around it. You know, is there, a, is there a new public shopping center that went in? Is there, you know, a church near there? Is there a good community center? And all those kinds of factors making it be something good, you know, doesn't necessarily have to have a gate on that community. So I, that's one of those things where I tell people that as well. And I, I wholeheartedly agree. It makes some of the most sense of, of some of the things that I've heard, but yet it's kind of some of the most simplest, you know, doesn't take, uh, you know, a, 
you know, 50 years of real estate experience to kind of figure that out. But for people to understand it, sometimes it takes someone with 50 years of real estate experience to say it to them to really, really have it sink in. So I, I always appreciate well, it. Alex, I went down, I went down to Bradenton did a luncheon meeting and there was a woman there who I did not know. And she mentioned that she was retired and she had 12 rental houses within two and a half miles of her home. I left that meeting so jealous, I can scarcely even comment on it because I mean, that's just a wonderful portfolio for somebody to retire with. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of, uh, of, of Bill Cook. They, uh, I think it's what he says, whatever's in walking distance of his area in Georgia is what he does. It's the, uh, the Walmart. Five miles to Walmart, that's yep. Bill, yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's a it's a fantastic thing and it's it's one of those things where i i love having people on that you know can explain things that are simple that can make people that can change people's lives and that's one of those things where you know you can get as much education in this stuff as you want but some of these extremely simple things when when kind of shown by people that have done it for years and years really help people to, to make that first step because you tell someone, hey, you can make a bunch of money in real estate just by walking a five mile radius and knocking on people's doors to buy to buy property. You know, you, you probably get more eye rolls than than anyone if I told you that. But if someone like, you know, Bill tells you that or you hear someone like you say it, it, it really does help people. And that's that's what we're trying to do with this. This podcast is, you know, bring people alternatives to the stock market and, and bring you know alternative investing to the forefront and what people are thinking about, whether that's through an IRA or, you know, something personally you know we'd love to just help bring those options out to people and, and stories like that are great you know, now, and you know when when dykes and i do the the roth ira class people make the mistake of coming to the class so we can show them how to invest and how to uh, grow their ira rather than seeing that by knowing about iras you can help other people to help you when I was making $8,000 a year, I took a course in uh, tax strategies from Chuck Constantine. And believe me, I didn't need much help in sheltering my $8,000 of gross income. But learning those things enabled me to go out and help someone who wasn't a high tax bracket do a code section 1031 exchange or do an installment sale. And so you know, learning these things, not specifically to apply them for yourself, but to help other people, because it's in helping other people that they will help you and you'll grow that uh, tribe of friends around you to make deals easier and easier and easier and safer for you. Oh, absolutely. Now, you know, this kind of stuff never happens in a vacuum. Uh, you know, people with a, a ton of experience you know, had to had to kind of come somewhere, you know, obviously you have a ton of experience and, in, in, you know, successes and failures in your life. But what was uh, give us a give us a background on maybe some early educational things that you had that you know are accessible to other people. Maybe not necessarily a person, but maybe oh. a book or something else that you would say you know this is a great foundation. The the books are there. I mean, if you go out and read Horatio Alger, the Horatio Alger stories are phenomenal. And uh, I I read, of course, American History. Uh, if you'll get. Richest Man in Babylon by George Clayson or John Shaw, Building Wealth One House at a Time. There are remarkable books, but the greatest value is available from your successful neighbors. You go and talk with them and you ask, say, I want to grow up to be just like you. Could you tell me how you did that? Um, one of the things that I used to do when I was a young real estate agent is I would go to the uh, hearings for variances in the community and see who are the people who are active. And I would always speak in favor of having 
more and better housing in, in Beverly where I grew up. And a lot of the older people who I would have had to wait a long time to get involved in discussions with, got involved in discussion and debate with me at those hearings because I went. If I had a chance to buy a note at a, a discount, and so I could buy a note that was owed by a school teacher uh, at, a, at 50 cents on a dollar with a potential 15% yield, or buy a note that was owed by a capitalist investor in town to yield 6% with no discount. I would buy the 6% note because with that 6% note became a relationship with someone who can teach me and help me and who will teach me and help me. Yeah, and those relationships are, are so key. Uh, I believe with regard to, to you, and I always forget the exact amount of, 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 of numbers on this, but it's something to the effect of like seven different families and, and several hundred different deals that you've done <laughs> over the years. Uh, it's one of the cooler, cooler things I've ever heard, but it just hammers home just building those relationships. You know, you might be able to make 10% on this one deal that goes away, but if you can make 6% and then also have 20 other deals that go behind it for years worth of cash flow, that's obviously, you know, a significantly better deal. So maybe tell us a little bit about just some of the success you've had with building those relationships. Uh, Gary Johnston, um, five years ago, asked me to do a presentation on Las Vegas on uh, wealth building and relationships. And so in putting together my notes for that presentation, it turned out that in my 50 years in real estate, I have done 71 deals with four families. And it's, yeah, I can't explain to people how much easier that is than to do one deal and then start over building rapport, building confidence, uh, showing the people that you're both trustworthy and competent. Uh, once you've done that, it, it becomes so much easier. One of my favorite examples is I bought a, a property from a guy named John Pochask, who was an old guy in his 40s, and I was 20. And uh, he was selling that property because he's getting tired of management of some of his old, small, multifamily properties. And when I bought that from him, I bought it subject to the first mortgage, and he introduced me to his banker. So I got to know the banker at the Beverly Cooperative Bank in the town where I grew up. And John carried a note for me, but he didn't know me. And as a result of not knowing me, but me proving myself by renting the property to tenants who are happy living there, they paid me so I could pay the Beverly Cooperative Bank, was happy to get their payments, so that I could pay John what I promised to pay him. That resulted in my ending up a year later managing 20 rentals for him, which gave me some more income back when I was earning $8,000 a year. And then I did a 1031 exchange where I got a commission for him, from him for putting the exchange together. And then the guy that took the properties in exchange didn't want one of them. So I bought that from him. So I got another house. Then years later, I moved to Florida and I, made a contract to buy a house with a private first mortgage on it here in St. Pete. And I bought it subject to the lady's mortgage. And it was a 9% mortgage back in the 
late 80s, early 90s. And I called her up and said, hi, my name is Peter Fortunato. I'm going to be paying you every month. I want to make sure I've got the right address to be sure you always get your payments. And she said, I want to be paid off. And I said, but why? She said, well, when we made the loan, and I'm not sure she made the loan. I think she probably carried the mortgage, but she did it for a family friend, a son of someone she knew. And she liked him. She said, I don't know you. And so I assured her I was a really nice guy and she should get to know me. And no matter what arguments I'd make, she did not want to get 9%. I said, well, in the event I paid you off, what are you going to do with it? She said, I'm going to put it in the bank. I said, really? What does your bank pay? She said, oh, two and a half. And I said, well, you know, where I grew up, two and a half is a lot less than nine. And most people think more is better. And uh, she didn't agree. She said, oh, I don't know you. I don't want it. And I got on the telephone and called John Pochask up in Beverly, Massachusetts, the guy that I bought that property from 15 years earlier. I said, John, I got this lady. She doesn't want to get 9% on a $50,000 mortgage from me. And he said, what's her phone number? And he called her up and bought the, the note from her and bought the an assignment of the mortgage. And so while I didn't get to pay that lady, I got to pay someone else who I knew. And that's the relationships that make things easier and easier. And I think that's, that's, that's a, I could, I could, inter, I, I could sit here and talk to you for, for hours and hours, but we're getting kind of near the, uh, the end of what our, our time allotment is. But if people want to, you know, make some of those relationships, uh, we have such a robust community of, of different classes and great RIAs in our neighborhoods and our, I should say, our areas of uh, the Tampa Bay and, and also Atlanta and, and really anywhere in the country, you can find good stuff. But I would recommend, uh, you know, people that we have on are a good place to start. Uh, Pete, you have a class coming up with Bill Cook here in Tampa, I believe, correct? It's the What Box yes. class that you're you, you are teaching. I'll let you give a little bit of information for that. So if people want to find out and attend and get some more great information and some more interaction with you, they can. So go ahead with that one. All right. Well, uh, Bill and Kim, Bill and Kim Cook.com. They've got all the information. Uh, they, are, they are much better marketers than I am, or so they tell me. Um, and uh, they can tell you all about the class. Bill and I uh, have a good time together and uh, watching Bill teach that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life is amazing to watch. He's having the best time you've ever seen when he's presenting. And um, in our market, we meet a lot. We have a lot of people who get together and visit and help and ask for help. And that's something you should build where you are and you should take advantage of. Um, I'm shocked at all times when I ask people, have you ever sold anything? And they say, yes. Have you ever bought anything? They say, yes. Have you ever rented anything? They say, yes. I say, what are those people doing today? And they don't know because they haven't stayed in touch. That is a huge mistake. Yeah, ab absolutely. I. Uh... I can, I can certainly agree with that. And if anyone also is uh, curious about uh, signing up for the class, uh, it's also what you can get a link through our website. We don't make anything on it. We just like to try to help the people that, that help us. So you can also go to advantaira.com and it'll link directly to billandkimcook.com to sign up for the class. Again, that is next weekend, which is the weekend of, uh, let's see, 
uh, September 18th and 19th. And that class is in Tampa, correct, Pete? It is. Yeah, and then you have one in October coming up with Dykes Botiford, if you want to give a little that's information on that one as well. That's the Roth IRA class. So yeah. I'm sure that's always on Advantage's site because the Roth IRA yep. class, yeah, Dykes is extraordinary. Yeah, he's he's a phenomenal speaker. And and I, and I, again, I, I just am echoing a, a bit of what Pete says, but if you've never heard Bill speak, it's, it's inspirational. He is <laughs> extremely energetic and you will feed off of, the energy that he puts into it and the, the sincerity of what he is putting out there for the information. Uh, you're kind of over talking about, we asked Pete how he got his start. It's people like that that can really help you get your start as well. So with that said, I really appreciate uh, everyone uh, that tuned in today to the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast with Advanta IRA. Pete, thank you very much for being on today and we will talk to you next time. All right. Take care, Alex. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Alternative Investing Advantage podcast. Tune in next week for more investing tips and strategies. Want to hear more episodes of the Alternative Investing Advantage? Search podcast at advantaira.com and subscribe.